Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and today's guest is my friend, actress Amanda Payton, who chatted with me live from London, where she was working on the set of Code 404 last year. Amanda can also be seen in Modern Family, Animal Kingdom, NCIS, Grey's Anatomy, and lots of other shows. She's here today discussing what she does to get through her tough times in life. I've known Amanda for about six or seven years now. Amanda's overcome depression, anxiety, and addiction issues in her past and has such great suggestions for when you're feeling down. They're practical and you can use them right now to feel better instantly or at least get on the right track. We recorded this episode last year during the California fires way before the elections. Since then, Amanda's gotten engaged. Her show's now streaming here in the States and in the UK. And Happy New Year, it's now 2021. Amanda's vulnerable, warm, chatty, full of fabulous wisdom for all of us. Welcome, Amanda, to 52 Weeks of Hope. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. And you are in London now, is that right? I'm in London, so uh, I'm eight hours ahead of you. So you'll start to see the light go down more and more because I think it's like five o'clock here. It's morning for you. Yes, it is. Yeah. Morning on a smoky weekend. Yes, I've, I've avoided the smoke. The, yes. Very lucky there. So we are here and what we're doing is trying to help people who are maybe in a funk or needing just some inspiration, kind of depressed, even in the evolution of your career and getting to London, you've had different periods of your life where you're like, oh my gosh. How I'm never going to work again. I'm never going to be able to get to London. Even if, I, even if they want me, I won't be able to get there because travel ban. Even before getting this job, I'll never have a job. Then I have another job and then I'll never have a job again. Yeah. <laughs> When you go through those periods and your head is telling you that and you don't even want know how to start or what to do, how do you get through those? Okay, well, first I talk to somebody who has experience in life that I don't have. So whether that is you, Lauren, or even, you know, a parent or a friend who um, has the peace of mind that I want, I talk to them. I don't hold it in. So that's really important for me is to talk to somebody else. I'm really careful about who I talk to because some people can like help me spin out and some people can keep me grounded. So I know where to go and who to talk to. And um, I think after I talk to somebody, then I'll usually write stuff down, like write out like all my fears. Like what's going to happen? I'm not going to be able to get another job. Okay, then what? okay, well, then I'm going to be home. It's just like breaking it down to like the biggest fear possible. And then once looking at it, it just doesn't seem as big and scary as this like unknown thing. So I do that. Um, I mean, it really depends on what the thing is, but just talking about it really helps. And also for me, moving my body really helps. Meditation, but also moving my body. Like, So I look at it as like an an everyday practice that helps me when I run into trouble. So I don't just like start my practice when I'm in fear or in depression, because I know that about myself. Like I know that I have a tendency towards fear and depression. So because of that, I do every day stuff to help me for when I run into those periods of like torture. Self-torture. <laughs> yeah, self-torture, brain torture. 
Yeah. So when your head starts spinning and you're going there, what is writing down all your fears? What does that do? It helps me to tap into the root of it. Oftentimes, it's not really about what's actually happening. It's about something from my past. So like, I'll give you a tangible example. I'm constantly afraid that I'm going to get in trouble for doing something wrong. So like, whether that is my taxes, like if I'm not doing my taxes right, or whatever it is, I'm constantly afraid that I'm going to get in trouble for doing something wrong and not know what it is. And when I wrote down recently all my fears about it, the reason it came up here is because in London, you have to have this thing called a TV license. And if you don't have a TV license, you can't watch TV. So I contacted the head of production saying, can I watch TV? Can I click that I have a TV license? They're like, yes, they don't even check it. And plus the place that you're staying will have a TV license. Then I checked the mail and there was a letter from like June before I was even here saying like, this location does not have a TV license. You're in trouble. So I was afraid that I was in trouble and I spun out about it. And once I wrote it down and talked to people, I realized that what I was really freaking out about was the feeling that that started when I was a little kid that I'm going to all of a sudden get in trouble for something that I don't know I'm doing wrong. Okay. So like it started with like my father who would like blow up explosively at me when I didn't realize that I was doing something wrong and he would like yell at me because he would be frustrated. But I mean, you know, it happens in relationships all the time. I mean, that's what most fighting is about in romantic relationships, in friendships. It's all triggering each other's past traumas, I find. So, and how did you find that out? Over and over again, by fighting with people over and over again about the same stuff. <laughs> and also, again, by like talking to people, you know, I'm in therapy too. So like talking to people, talking to my therapist, really observing myself once I like cool down, it's the same thing over and over again. You know, some people are, I mean, and I also, it's easy to watch in friends. So it's like, you know, I have a friend who like is so afraid of someone leaving her that she keeps scaring people away, you know, that she's dating or like attacking them until they leave and then saying, see, he left. So, and it just over and over and over again, the same thing. So I know I've seen the evolution of you go through being afraid of not working and seem very calm. Because I'm working. Watch me when I get back. I think it is getting better. I think it is getting better. I'm learning to trust myself more and more. Yeah. As I learn myself more and more, I learn that, you know, I can trust myself, that I'm going to show up for myself. And how about your relationship? The My relationship? Right now, it's good. I'm, being far away is tough for both of us, but we talk every day on the phone. Um, we do FaceTime. And we're just really honest with each other. I mean, right now, like most people in relationships, like we have different views on how to handle COVID sometimes. And for example, like he's not afraid. So he, I mean, he's cautious, but he's not like in fear and I'm in fear. So my reactions are like sometimes overreactions and like I'll lose it if he like scratches his eye, you know, even if he's like, I mean, he like, even if he sanitizes his hands and then like goes to pick something out of his tooth, I'm like, you can't, we're outside, like you can't. And he'll be like, okay, stop yelling at me, you know? And so um, it's a lot of compromise and it's a lot of just like real honesty. You know, his dad is turning 70 um, and lives in Colorado. And it's really important to him that we go visit his dad. 
And so he wants to take the precautions that he thinks is necessary, which is to um, get a test here and then fly out and wear, you know, masks and visors. And I would not handle it that way if it were my family. I would not get on the plane and then get off the plane and, and, and go to a 70th birthday party, but it is his life. It is his family. I, am will, I was willing to get on a plane to come here to work. And at first I was like, I'm unwilling to take a plane, but then I really had to look at myself because I took a plane to get here. And so I was like, oh, it's my priority. Like I'm, priority, I'm prioritizing work over my relationship, which I don't want to do. So I um, said, okay, you know, I'll do what you want to do. I think it's a bad idea. And I told him that, like, I wouldn't handle it this way, but okay, it's your family. So um, it's just like a lot of brutal honesty. And I mean, yesterday, I think we were talking because we, you know, we want to get married. So yesterday we were talking about um, what that would look like for us in the current climate. And he wants like a big wedding and I didn't think I did. But we were talking about it yesterday, like how we could reimagine it and how it could just be like a courthouse thing. And then like later when, when we get a vaccine, fingers crossed, that we could then have a party. And then we got into it about COVID. And then when we were sending texts last night, like I can't decide if I wanna murder you cause you're annoying me or marry you. But I had one more thought on wedding stuff. <laughs> and like, so, so it's all of that, right? Like it's all of that. Like sometimes I'm like, I love you. I don't like you right now at all. Um, but I always love you. And like, I was talking to someone uh, who you know, Michelle, and she was saying, you know, in the relationship, it is our common welfare. And what does that look like? And for our common welfare, if we put that first, our common welfare coming first, it looks like, you know, him being able to be there for his dad's 70th birthday party. Because if that doesn't happen, like that's not good for us as a, in a relationship. So as much as I wanna fight that and don't think it's a good idea, that's for the good of the relationship, we will do that. The other thing is that he wants to grapple once a week with his friends. That's under debate currently because I find that he's, he does like martial arts. And so like, think about like anybody who does martial arts can't really do anything now. And so he's saying like, if this lasts for another three years, am I just gonna like have to give up martial arts? And at first I was like, yes. But then like, am I giving up acting? No, and I'm taking, I'm, I'm on set with people. I mean, we're getting tested, but like no masks and like there are extras around and all of this and like I've traveled here. And so I have to, like, this is my priority. And if that's his priority, we have to just, so we're just like, okay, we're gonna work it out. We're gonna figure it out. Maybe we each get tested once a week. We'll figure it out. So we just decided to just stay honest and stay in it and work through stuff. And we've been through a lot together. Um, in a short amount of time. And we've also had couples counseling to learn how to do that. What does he do? What sport did you say? Martial arts. Oh, but what did you call it specifically? Grappling. He's a, he was doing like grappling with friends, meaning like, um, I mean, they like wear pads and they do like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, for people who are listening, I'm like doing positions with my body. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, it's like, he does Kung Fu, right? So it's like, you know, you, they like fight each other. They wear masks, but then they get all sweaty and they have to take it off and they're outside. 
but it's still like close quarters and there's only five of them. But for me, that's a bigger risk than I'm comfortable with, especially if I'm going to go see my mom who's 70. So we're figuring it out, you know? Yeah. So people who are depressed and having a hard time, just the kind of depression, just where I don't want to get out of bed today, that kind mm-hmm. of depressed, what would you tell them? Put three things on a to-do list and do those three things. That's and- what I, that's what I was told when I was in that place. And it really helped me. If it was like, do your laundry, go to work, cook a meal. Okay, but people aren't going to work today. So put it in a COVID kind of... Do your laundry, call a friend, cook a meal. And when would you do that? In the morning, at night? In the morning or like throughout the day, just make sure that I get three things done. That was like one really important... That was when I was just like not leaving the bed that someone told me to do that and report it to a friend or someone who you trust be like today i one did my laundry two cooked a meal three called a friend to say i love you great so that's step one i'd say and then step two gratitude list so what are you grateful for maybe even if you start with just five things and sharing it with someone writing it down shoot you choose morning or night write it down you could do for bonus points morning and night five and five, (laughs) but sharing it with people is important too. And have your friend share some back. Yeah. Accountability partner is important. Absolutely. I think those, those two things make a huge difference. And if I'm going to say a third thing, I'd say move your body for at least 20 minutes a day, like go outside, walk around. So funny. My daughter, Molly, I I just wrote an article about uh, seven things to do to make yourself feel better. She said, favorite thing about that article First, she was so funny. She said, wow, it's actually, it's actually good, mom. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes, I am good. <laughs> so first I went, oh, thank you. <laughs> Why are you shocked? <laughs> and she said her favorite thing was that exercise was not on there. <laughs> That's so funny. See, I'm careful to not call it exercise, though, because sometimes it can literally just be like stretch for 20 minutes or like w- walk. Walk. Walk your dog, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, just like move your body. Walk my dog. <laughs> walk your neighbor's dog. Walk your friend's dog. Come over and walk Lauren's dog, whatever it is. <laughs> just move around a little bit. Yeah. I, I love the um, three things to do. Yeah. And- that, that felt manageable for me in that when it was like, oh, one of them can be like, feed myself a good meal. Great. I can do that. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. I, I yeah. just love that. Like make a hard phone call. Okay, go to the bank, whatever you need to do, you know. Yeah. Even, and the fact that you can count like calling a friend, because when I'm depressed, like I have trouble even calling a friend. Well, and that's the thing. I just listened to uh, Brene Brown's podcast with, I can't think of his name. He's He was the Surgeon General. It came out last, this past April and uh-huh. it was on loneliness and mm-hmm. three different types of loneliness. There's loneliness that you can have in an intimate relationship or amongst friends, but also needing community. Yeah. It was amazing. But that whole thing that we've talked about before about feeling lonely, even being amidst a group of people. And I think people are lonely, but we don't name it. Like you don't even know, oh yeah, it's loneliness. Yeah. And, um, and so having, as you said, the three things to do in the morning and one of them to be make a phone call, we're meant to talk to others, not just uh, like, 
your friend is going to feel the same way as you or has felt that way. So it's really, and you know, when you call someone because you're lonely and they go, you know, I'm really struggling, I'm lonely. That is such a beautiful moment because then you can step up and help each other. Yeah, definitely. And not being able to see each other in person and, but to have the contact right now is, Mm -hmm. it's just huge. Yeah. And helping somebody else, calling somebody who's, who you know is alone. Yeah. When I first got here to England, I had to be quarantined for two weeks. I could not leave, could not see anyone, could not even go outside. And that was really tough. And I had to, and it felt like depression. It felt like when I was depressed. And so I had to make rules for myself, like religiously doing my gratitude list and calling at least three people a day. And one of them had to be on FaceTime, even if I felt like a mess, because I was starting to feel like I did when I was depressed. That's great. Anything else? Did you have any other rules for yourself? Those are great. For me, I did. I have to make sure that I eat three meals a day so that I have some structure to my day. I had to make sure that I, I have a little porch here so I could like sit on the porch and I tried to do that for like 20 minutes a day at least to get some sun mm-hmm. and um and then moving my body for at least I did an hour a day but that's because I'm a really like physical person and I need the endorphins to feel normal especially when I'm just sitting <laughs> just sitting there ah. so those were my big ones do you meditate I do meditate yeah but that's so that's like a given I do that every day I was also, I'm doing a course in miracles meditations, which is like a year long book. I'm just, I was curious about it. So I just started it at the start of quarantine and was like, I'll do this until COVID's over in two or three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, so I'm still doing that and that there's like a year's worth of meditations in there. So. Okay. And what does that give you? So it just gives me like an idea per day and like sometimes assignments like little assignments and things to think about, how often to think about them. I meant meditation. What does meditation? Oh, what does meditation give me? Like I started just because everyone was like, you have to meditate. It is so good for you. And I was like, it's not giving me anything. But over the period of the time that I've been meditating, I have noticed that I am able to not be riding my emotions so much as like I can lift out and like kind of observe what's happening. And I do feel a little bit calmer and quieter in the mind. And I think it's combating a little bit of like the Instagram swiping. You know what I mean? Like that like constant scrolling for like looking for like stimulation. I think that the meditation kind of combats that very nicely. (laughs) So I'm still not one of the uh, people. I mean, I know so many friends who are like, I just love meditating every day it makes me feel high and i just like so calm immediately i'm like no like i sometimes i'm like crying sometimes i'm like okay i just like what am i gonna eat for lunch um sometimes i just cannot focus but i just make it a point to do it every day because i have noticed a difference not a magical thing for me though yeah i love to meditate i it makes me okay with for me, you're, one of, you're the one who I'm talking about when I say some of my friends are like, I love to meditate. <laughs> I mean, for me, the number one thing I notice is it makes me okay with whatever's going on. It makes me, I guess, more okay with it. Like I'm not in the middle of the stream. I'm like floating on top of it, if that makes sense. Yes. yes. Yeah. But it's not like, for me, like moving my body helps, I think just as much. 
Yeah, I, I need to do that too. I need yeah. my Angela fix. I, I yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, is there anything else that you would want to tell somebody who's going through a hard time? That the only thing is, God, it feels like you're never going to get out of it. It feels like you're, it's never going to change, but it does. It does. It changes and it changes for the better and it changes for the worse and it just keeps changing. And I, that's like tough to even have to, it's tough to say because I can, I'm putting myself in the shoes of somebody who's in that right now. And like when people tell me that like this too shall pass and like, shut up. No, it won't. I'm dying. I can't get out of bed and I'm miserable and I need help and no one can help me because it's in my own mind. But it does get better and it does change. I mean, it's so, I just, I know how that sounds. Like it gets better. Just keep going, go through it. The only way out is through. But all I can say is like, I've been there multiple times in my life and I'm not there right now. So, and I, and I also recognize that like, I'll probably be there again at some point because that's kind of how I'm made, you know? Well, that's life. Yeah. It's how 52 weeks came about is yeah. when I came out of one of mine, I was like, okay, how many of these do we go through? And what's the point here? And, and what I learned, the number one message I got from elders who I talked to, and it's actually true in the areas of the world where people live the longest with the highest happiness factor, is community. Community uh, is the number one factor of importance in yeah. people's lives. So well, I think we're also built to live in tribes. I think people are built to live in tribes and... So that makes sense. It does. But you know, whenever people say, find your crew, I'm like, who's my crew? I don't have a, <laughs> it makes me really anxious that I don't have enough of a crew. I have community, but when people use the word crew, there's something that makes me feel like, I don't know if I have a crew. <laughs> I don't you have people to call on for different reasons. Yeah. I think that's what's important. Yeah. I think there's something about the word crew that makes me feel alone. I, I have no idea why I just- yeah. <laughs> you should write about it, Lauren. You'll figure out where it's coming from in your childhood. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding, but yeah. There's funny. something about that. I mean, I've had various groups that I've hung with and I'm still friends with those people, but I, you know, as my life changes with when I became a mom, my crew, yeah. I guess, you know. Well, I think it's okay for the crew to shift or the tribe to shift or the group to shift or the community to shift. Yeah, my communities have stayed kind of the same. I'm still in, I still have my communities. Definitely, I have my communities. But, you know, I have my friends. And so I, there's something about that word that just. Yeah. I think that's why this is such a particularly hard time for people the, with their isolation, too. Because a lot of the community stuff, like I was getting a lot of my community stuff. There was a class at the gym that I went to every Saturday with my friends and people that I met there. And I did that for like every Saturday for like three years and now it's done. And that's not something you can do on Zoom because we didn't have like an intellectual connection. Like we had a connection like going and doing a physical thing together that we all did together in a big group. Did you know all their names and what they did and all of that or every Saturday? I mean, it was like a big class of people, but like we kind of took over the left side and like kept bringing people in, you know? I mean, like there were different groups within the class that like were friends from outside or like a new person would come in and we'd be like, come sit with us. It was like very inclusive. Everyone was happy getting their endorphins. And That's so- Like Angela's class. Yeah. 
And so like some of them I know and follow on social media and some of them I just don't have that connection with and just miss. Even though we weren't like close friends, I didn't call any of them for like emotional reasons, but like that was my Saturday morning crew, crew, group, community. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sure that a lot of people have a lot of those situations. Yeah. So yeah, I only know the people from social media if I go on, but I think that's, I find social media be a real time suck. Yes, absolutely. Although the fun part is like being able to cheer for people. Like when they post their highlights, you know, I have a friend who'd been like, he's an actor and he's been like trying to get a guest star role, trying, trying, trying since I like met him like four years ago. And he went back to New Orleans where he's from and I mean, he's, he, he's a hard, hard worker. And he was like, it was sad for him and hard. He had to move, he had to leave LA during COVID. He went back to New Orleans and he had a self-tape request coming in New Orleans. He threw it on, booked it. He's shooting now a recurring guest role in New Orleans. Like you just don't know where you're meant to end up. But I mean, that made me so happy. Like this is someone who I did a job with like four years ago, don't really know, but we cheer from each other from the sidelines. And like, that's why I love social media because I am so thrilled for him. Like, so he posted this yesterday and I'm like still so happy. Great story that we never know and that does work out. Yeah. We don't know where it's going to come from or when it's never on our times. Yeah. He never would have guessed like, right. You leave the place that your career, the only place you can do that career from because something shuts it down and then you get the one thing you've been wanting the whole time. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. It just shows we don't know. We have no idea what the universe has in store for us. Angela always says, if you can see it, you can be it. God didn't put that in your head for no reason. However, she said, like, I can do a million Angela-isms because- And Lauren always says, it always works out. Always, always, always. Does. It does. Everything always works out. Does. As long as- putting one foot in front of the other, which is sometimes the problem, which I just love your solution of three things a day, which nothing's ever original. Somebody's told us how to do things. Yeah. 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 I didn't come up with that. That came from someone else who I'm sure it came from someone else. Right. Yeah. Just like the graduate list. I don't even know how many decades I've been doing them now. It's just been so long, but it's It's also looking at the groups who like have the stuff inside that you want, the piece you want finding them and then being like, what are you doing? Yeah. Oh, you have a gratitude list? Or can I get on on that? Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's so true. Finding people that are doing what you're doing and saying, hey, how did you do that? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's just even with this, it's like, oh, I want to do a podcast or I wanted to write a blog. Yeah. I want to write. I want wow. think I've been yeah. doing for a few decades now. I want to do something else. <laughs> yeah. So I want to help people. Here I am. Here you are. Mm-hmm. It all works out. Yes, it does. Yeah. Always, always, always. Yes, it does. Even though sometimes when you say that to me, I'm like, Lauren, this one's different. <laughs> but it does. It works out. It does. And there's a girl downtown I've been mentoring for a couple of years. She's starting college and first in her family to even graduate high school. That's incredible. So- class and she's starting at UCSB and from her little home and full scholarship. So wow. Yeah. It's really like it's really incredible. I get to mentor her through college. That's incredible. You know, it works out for all kinds of people. Yeah. 
So with that, I think that's a really nice note to end on. Great. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Amanda's messages of self-compassion, first things first, and encouragement. Such wonderful messages to take into the week ahead and into the new year. Be sure to tune in next week when the successful down-to-earth mom, realtor, and friend to all, Lauren Ravitz, joins us discussing everything about surviving cancer after only her second mammogram. I want to wish everyone a happy new year. Remember, we are giving away a fun gift bag of my favorite journal, candles, and crystals. All you have to do is share your email with us on our website, 52weeksofhope.com, and we'll send you the link to enter. There's going to be three winners. And also, don't forget, you have to review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a good review. Thanks for listening. And remember, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a positive review, and send us feedback on our website, 52weeksofhope.com. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.